0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is Episode 59. Today, it's being brought to you today by the Youth Athletic Foundation. Its mission is to assist student-athletes in developing a strong work ethic through discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Their goal? To help youngsters understand the importance of working hard to be the best they can be, whether that's on the court, in the classroom, or in the community. The YAF has donated millions of dollars to charities, families, local high schools, and youth sports programs. And the YAF does have an event coming up in short order here. I want to tell you about it. It is their charity dinner and golf tournament presented by Craig and Susan Salibor. It'll be September the 26th for the dinner at the Horseshoe Casino in Tunica in the Founders Room. And then there will be a golf outing at Colonial Country Club. On Monday, September the 27th. If you'd like more information, you can contact Chris Kathy. His phone number is 901-494-9382. Or you can email him at Kathy.chris at yahoo.com. That's C-A-T-H-E-Y.com. So you've got the uh, you've got the dinner. Uh, it will run from 5 to 7 with the Dinner and Silent Auction. Then at 7 to 8, there'll be a live auction and live music with Charvy Mack. And then the golf tournament will tee off at noon on Monday, September the 27th. The four-man team, you can have it for $1,000. And you also get two tickets to the charity dinner as well. As I said, for more information, uh, get a hold of Chris Cathy, 901 494 9382 support the youth athletic foundation they have been big supporters of the grizz weekly grind and uh, mike miller and his foundation also part of the youth athletic foundation so former grizz doing some great stuff in the community so please do check that out in today's edition of the grizz weekly grind uh we are going to visit with michael wallace Senior editor and contributor to Grind City Media. will get his take on a lot of Grizzlies-related topics. We'll talk about Zaire Williams and what the Grizzlies should expect from him this season. Also, the, uh, the theory of roster construction for this particular group and also the strengths of that uh, Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins bring to the table for the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to cover a lot of ground with him today. Had a great conversation. Always good to catch up with Michael. He has been. For those of you who don't know, uh, he's, he's covered so much of the NBA with ESPN and with various newspapers, and we are so fortunate to have him. In Memphis, someone who is so well plugged into the league, someone whose opinion is so well respected. It's just fantastic to have him. And uh, not only is he a fantastic writer and a great source around the NBA, he is also one of the best people you could possibly want to have as a teammate. We're thrilled to have him with the Memphis Grizzlies. So we'll, he will be our friend of the program. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, first of all, I do have some sad news to share. The Grizzlies broadcasting family has suffered yet another loss. Statistician Rich Robb passed away. We were just informed uh, he passed away on August the 29th. Complications apparently from heart surgery. Rich Robb had been the courtside statistician for the Grizzlies, whether radio or television, uh, since Vancouver days. Rich is native of, of Canada was friendly with Randy Stevens, who at that point in time was working uh, on the Grizzlies telecasts in Canada. Randy eventually became the producer of those telecasts, moved with a franchise to Memphis, and Rich Rob wanted to keep stats in Memphis. And so Rich Rob, whose day job was translating various medical documents between English and, uh, and some other foreign languages, he would he would pack up right about this time of year and move from Vancouver to Memphis for the sole purpose of being able to be our courtside statistician. And then when the season was over, he would go back to Vancouver and uh, would repeat the process over and over again. Um, This is the third big loss for our broadcasting family. Um, You know that we lost Speedy Edwards back in uh, the first quarter of 2021. We lost him to covid Brett Smith, the brilliant technical manager for FedEx Forum, passing away during the course of the season, and now finding out that Rich Robb has, has passed away. He had been by my side, my left hand man, as it were, with stats ever since I got here in 2004. Um, great statistician, devoted to his craft, loved the Grizzlies as much as anything suffered with them when they went through their trials and tribulations and was jubilant for their successes. It's really hard for us um, in in the broadcast group to have lost again, to have had three very important people who never were in front of a camera, but were still vital to the success of our telecasts and our broadcasts to to lose them in in various ways. And I would just say this, all of us with the broadcast crew, we we continue to ache and hurt and grieve because of these losses. I would just say to you by way of life advice, if there are people in your life that you love, people to whom you are close, people that are important to you, Tell them that you love them. Give them a hug, a handshake, whatever feels appropriate. Tell them that they matter to you. We are at a time period in our country where we seem to be more divided than ever. Ironically, we need unity more than anything else. So have a little unity in your heart with the people that are important to you. I am also reminded of the line that Robin Williams frequently said Everybody is going through something, you just don't know about it. So be kind always. So spread a little kindness. The world certainly needs that. I would say treasure every moment you possibly can. We have seen in losing these three gentlemen before their time that tomorrow is not promised. So live your life to the fullest. As the great Warren Zavon said as he was dying of cancer, enjoy every sandwich. And finally, if you are struggling, whether it is because of the pandemic, and isolation, loss of a job, change in financial circumstances, whatever it may be, if you find yourself struggling, get help. Find somebody to talk to. It could be a mental health professional. It could be clergy. It could be friends. Whatever works for you. If you need help, please, please ask for it. Please tend to your self-care. We are in very, very difficult and troubling times right now, and we all need to take care of ourselves. And part of self-care is relating to other people, whether that's a counselor or clergy or friends or family. Be in a position where you can share with other people. Please take care of yourself. As I said, we are going through unprecedented and very stressful times. You are not alone. Reach out. As Fred Rogers used to say, find the helpers because no matter who you are no matter where you live no matter what your station in life may be there are people who are willing to help you and if you find yourself struggling please do seek out the help that you need so for Rich Rob and Brett Smith and Michael Edwards aka Speedy we wish them godspeed you, know, you three gentlemen are are gone before your time and and you are Tremendously missed. As far as basketball news is concerned, uh, the Grizzlies finally able to, uh, as I record this today, complete the trade that brought Carson Edwards and Chris Dunn from Boston to Memphis for Juancho Aaron and Gomez. In a separate deal, the Grizzlies acquiring Marcus Saul and they have waived him. The understanding is that Marcus Saul will go on and play probably for Girona. In uh, in the Spanish league, where he has an ownership stake, and he will finish out his career overseas, and uh, I would imagine we'll be filing his NBA retirement papers, and then at some point, the Grizzlies will put number thirty three in the rafters. Uh, as you already know, uh, Tony Allen and Zach Randolph will have their jerseys raised to the rafters during this upcoming NBA season. So that's uh, that's that's the basketball news. It, it still remains to be the, the dead period. And so uh, coaches and players are, are not available for interviews at this time. They're uh, making their final preparations going into training camp. Training camp uh, will be opening in just under two weeks at FedEx Forum. And then October the 5th, the Grizzlies will have their first preseason game when they take on the Milwaukee Bucks at FedEx Forum. We'll get to our uh, friend of the program. Michael Wallace, in just a moment. But first of all, we want to tell you that uh, today's program, Episode 59 of the Grizz Weekly Grind on the Basketball Podcast Network, is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Week one of the NFL season may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, Nate. You don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So... Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So let's get to our friend of the program, Michael Wallace. As I said before, he has covered the NBA in a variety of capacities. One of the most gifted writers in the entire association. We are thrilled to have him as uh, the senior contributor and senior editor and uh, top dog, <laughs> as it were, of Grind City Media. Uh He was with ESPN. He covered LeBron James during his tenure in Miami, and uh, he is a widely respected NBA voice, well-plugged in, very thoughtful, and, oh, by the way, he has been a tremendous asset to the Memphis community with his support of the mentoring program and uh, Grizzlies prep. Outstanding person, outstanding writer, outstanding NBA person, period. And today, he's our friend of the program. Here's Michael Wallace. Michael, first off, how's your summer been? I mean, it's it's dead time now, so you have some time to maybe catch up on on things before we get back into the craziness. What's your summer been like?
1: Hey, what is this dead time you speak of, Pete? I, 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 <laughs> hey, if there's dead time during the summer, man, no one told me. You know, it's always been something to do, uh, something to prepare for. Uh, the NBA schedule obviously extended longer, again, uh, post-pandemic or through the pandemic. So we had a shorter offseason than, than, than we we're accustomed to for the second straight offseason. But, you know, if, as long as you're busy, as long as you're doing what you love, man, um, you know, it, it never really feels like work. And uh, that's why it's always a pleasure to jump on here with you.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you, as always, as our friend of the program. Uh, the Grizzlies in Summer League, What did what did you really like coming out of it? Other than Desmond Bain, we all know how well Des played. What what did you see from the Grizzlies in Summer League that you really liked?
1: I mean, I, you know, you, you mentioned you said other than Desmond Bain, and, and, and that took probably 55% uh, of the enthusiasm. And then the other 45% was obviously Xavier Tillman, too. I mean, those guys were grown men in Summer League. They graduated early. Uh, from summer league and, and, and rightfully so. But then when you go beyond that, you know, these role players uh, that were sort of back in of the roster guys, you know, John Conchar, Killian Tilly, you know, those guys, Sean McDermott at the time, those guys show showed that they can be uh, roster guys in this league. And, and it was impressive to see the Grizzlies definitely um, invested in some of these guys. And, and it came to fruition. We saw the reason why. And we know that there's depth there. Uh, when it comes to the Grizzlies as they need to get to, or if they ever need to get back to that. Pete, you were there, you called every game last year, and you saw how injuries and other attrition uh, allowed Taylor Jenkins to play as many lineups as any team played in the league. And and when you go that deep, those guys have to be ready. So I was was pleased with the fact that the Grizzlies, while everyone else was getting accustomed to summer league, the Grizzlies seemed like they were already ready for it and were already in preseason mode at that point.
0: Yeah, they of course, they had played the games in Salt Lake City before they went to Las Vegas. I thought it was interesting that Killian Tilly ended up being signed to a two-way contract, and Santi Aldama, who a lot of people thought would be a second-round pick if he were selected at all, is going to get a regular NBA contract. And I, I spoke to his agent, Andy Schiffman, in a previous edition of this podcast, and he mentioned that Santi was, I'm not taking a two-way. If I'm going to get a two-way, I'm going back to Spain. I thought it was interesting because because... Killian played very well during summer league, and I guess now we'll spend a fair amount of time in in, in South Haven with the hustle. Did, did that uh, yeah. strike you as as strange or interesting in any way?
1: It, it it didn't. You know, I mean, only because as you said, you know, the guy that you had already signed previously and had developed, and and, and sort of did his red shirt year, uh, was ready for the step up into the roster role. But the fact that the Grizzlies traded up to get into that position to draft you know Santi and the fact that again they identified he was their target just like they did with Xavier the year before and you know Brandon Clark the you know the year before that so it's like when they identify you as their guy they're going to prioritize you and and again if you want to bring Santi into the the NBA right away, it's going to cost you a a regular contract. And the Grizzlies made that move. um, And and I don't think that's any, uh, you know, casting any kind of aspersions on, you know, what Killian Tilly can do. Um, I think Killian Tilly is more ready right now. He's proven it. So, you know, with his shot, with his confidence, but it's just one of those things you have to do just from a uh, accounting standpoint to make sure you get the guys in the fold that you absolutely want.
0: It's also a numbers thing. The Grizzlies have been moving guys in and out, and we still have another deal that is, at this point, it is reported because it can't be uh, consummated until, what I think, today, September the 15th, as we record this. A lot of guys in and out. Juanjo Aaron and Gomez isn't going to remain here. It seemed like what Zach Kleiman and the Grizzlies wanted, they they really wanted to get a look at Jarrett Culver, who has Mm -hmm. underwhelmed during his time in Minnesota. What gives Mm -hmm. Grizzlies fans cause for optimism about Jarrett Culver in the Grizzly system?
1: I think Jared was a guy that I've always identified as is a great fit. You know, what I mean he's a wing guy. You know, he's sort of a three and D type guy. He can score the basketball. You know, it was one of those situations where when he came into the draft, I think, you know, he was in there uh, with DeAndre Hunter um, at the same time. And they were sort of similar and compared guys that compared each other or were comparative uh, in terms of their skill set a little bit. But Culver was a little bit more flashy with his offensive upside. Uh, It just never struck right with Minnesota. Sometimes guys just aren't great fits. And when we talk about fits again, just go back and look at Dylan Brooks. I'm not sure Dylan would be the player he is today had he ended up with another team because of the opportunities he got that the, the, uh, the, the ability to to adapt to whatever role was needed. Sometimes that's not always there for guys. Jerry Culver couldn't find that uh, in Minnesota, but I think he's going to find that quickly in Memphis. And he's going to also sort of be insurance you know, when you talk about the young guy, Zaire Williams, and it's one of those deals where they kind of both bring the same thing uh, on that, at that three, you know, big two, uh, three position. So you have a little bit of depth there. You have some athleticism there that you didn't have previously. So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to fit, uh, going to come in right away and contribute. And uh, as long as he can pick up coaching and accept coaching. Those are the things we don't know because we didn't have access to him uh, every day. As long as he can do that, then I think he'll, he'll be a a ideal fit in the Grizzly
0: system. And you've been around long enough. And we're speaking with Michael Wallace, senior editor and contributor to grind city media as our friend of the program today, you know, this league as well as anybody. And you know, that the Minnesota situation for a number of years has been unsettled since Tom Thibodeau left. And, and I think sometimes Sometimes players pick up on the on the tumult in the front office and in the ownership suite, and now that team has been sold, and so hopefully a change of address for Jarrett will mean really good things. Now, you brought up Zaire Williams, and I want to get your read because a lot of fans are going to say, well, you spent – a number 10 overall pick on this kid, is he going to be a rotational player or will the Grizzlies bring him along slowly? Because Zach Kleiman said, even on draft night, look, this is an upside pick. This is a bit of a swing for us. What should Grizzlies fans expect from Zaire Williams in terms of playing time and contribution to this team?
1: I mean, you don't want to put too lofty of expectations on the kid. Obviously they said that for a reason, Um, but you know what I I dig a little bit deeper than that because I look at hold up for a second you know for the last two or three years you know Jaron Jackson Jr. was 18 19 when he came in he was an upside pick who absolutely had a good rookie year Um, you know again you know John Morant was ready to come to the NBA and play but he was another 19 19 year old guy turning 20 so this this Franchise, this program, this system uh, has a way of bringing in young guys, giving them an opportunity to grow and develop quickly, molding them and shaping them, and giving them a chance to play. I don't see why Zaire can't do the same thing. I mean, his skill set and his raw talent is worthy of being on the court and developing right now, too. So, you know, you're already trending young. The Grizzlies, again, for the second straight year, are going to have one of the youngest, if not the youngest, playing rotation in the league. So what are you waiting for? You know, you might as well put him out there with guys uh, uh, who can book in him and, and continue to help him develop as well, too. So, you know, with, with the way the NBA is right now, you hold on to a guy and you wait and, 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 you know, try to be too patient with him. You could end up with a Jared Culver type situation that happened in Minnesota. Some guys just don't take to hold up. Let me get my turn. Let me take my turn and get my time later. So hopefully he can come in and play. I don't think he's going to start right away. But I do think that there's room for him to be, you know, a 15 to 18 to maybe 20 minute a night kind of guy.
0: And the Grizzlies have had a really good track record of player development, which is a tribute to their staff. And they've been able to bring players along very, very well. Yeah. Let's talk more about Jaron. Um, only, I think, 11 regular season games last year. We saw some great. We saw some not so great in terms of, of being foul prone. How big a yeah. year is this? for Jaron Jackson Jr., and where does he need to take the biggest leap forward for this team to be contending? Potentially, you know, l- let's shoot for the moon and, and be a sixth yeah. seed so you don't have to go to the play-in tournament. What does Jaron have to do this year? You
1: know, he just has to stay healthy, Pete. He has to be available. You know what I mean? The best ability, as they say, is availability. You know what I mean? And and, and accountability. And those are two things that, that Jaron has to be held to Uh, this season. Look, the injuries and and the nagging things that he's faced throughout the first three seasons of his career, a lot of that is beyond, you know, it's not his fault, you know, it's beyond his control, but he hasn't had a full season yet in three years. And, you know, that's one of those things where instead of him, you know, the Grizzlies looking at him right now, or us as fans looking and, and media looking at him as, okay, we know what we have right now. It's still, we think we know what we have right now, but let's just see if he can get there, get over that last hurdle, which is health. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, man, this is a guy that put a tremendous amount of work in this summer. One of the things I was most happy to see with Jaron was that I didn't see him all over social media, you know, traveling around and doing music and all of these other things. That's not to say that a guy can't have a, you know, a, a secondary interest, obviously. But he focused everything on getting his body right, getting his mind right, and being basketball ready. And, uh, you know, coming come training camp in a couple of weeks, I expect him to be the one most eager to get out there and say, hey, this is my time, this is my team, let's go forward, because this season is going to hinge on Jared Jackson's production.
0: Yeah, and I thought it was very insightful that – before he came back at the end of last year, he had the media availability, and he talked yeah. about the injury being a blessing because it did allow him to work on a number of things, whether it was his diet or his body or or his game to the extent that the injury would allow him to do so. Mm-hmm. Interesting in summer league that the Grizzlies and, and, and Darko Ryakovich, who coached the team during summer league, they didn't really play with a true point guard. Desmond Bain might initiate the offense. Xavier Tillman might initiate the offense. Is this a philosophical change potentially for the Grizzlies so that Ja doesn't have to play on the ball every minute he's on the floor and you can somehow unlock something else in his game. Do you see that uh, on the horizon?
1: Uh, You know, in in summer league, you can get away with that. In the NBA, there's just not, you know, you have to have someone that's going to organize you, particularly if you're one of the youngest teams in the league, as we, as we keep saying, and this team has to be directed by, now obviously Ja's going to be the point guard. I mean, this is, he's going to have the ball in his hands and generate offense 85% 85% of the time he's on the floor. But when you have guys like Kyle Anderson, perhaps you use him more as a big point guard. He's been waiting three years to be considered that. And, and now, you know, he might get his turn to do that. Uh, Desmond Baines sort of took an apprenticeship at that point guard role uh, from that standpoint. You still have Tyus Jones here too. So he's a more shorthanded guy from that standpoint. Um, but if you're going to move in those instances where you do, you know, move Jaw off the ball, Jaw's going to have to be able to be a floor spacer. You know, if you're going to play Jaw. Ninety-nine point, you know, nine percent of the time to drive into the lane, then defenses can collapse, and you don't have the space you need to operate. So, if that's going to be the case, uh, Ja, hopefully, and he's done this too, worked on his three-point shot this off-season, spread the floor, give him a dynamic, uh, another level of dynamic play to his game, uh, and that can allow you to move him off the ball. But no, that experiment during the summer, uh, it was interesting to me because I still didn't quite completely understand it. But I also understood it from a standpoint of if De- Desmond Bain is going to be a true rotation player in this league, potential starter, he's going to have to be able to playmaking. We saw Dylan get that same treatment last year coming into the season, and now Desmond's going to have to do the same thing.
0: I remember a conversation I had with Zach Klein, and we were talking about Desmond Bain, and, and one of the things that Zach pointed out to me, he said, you know, a lot of people want to focus on his three-point shooting. We really like the fact that at TCU, he was a little bit of a playmaker. He wasn't simply yeah. a, a three-point shooter. Yeah. As you go into this season, what are the expectations? What are the realistic expectations of this team? Are they vying for a play in spot, or can they get to sixth is that is work. that is that realistic and again and again yeah. the the great mystery out there, Michael, you know as well as anybody is is availability if if guys sure. remain healthy i mean if if something happens to Ja or Jerem that keeps them out for a long period of time obviously that 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 changes things, but let's just say all things being equal, and there isn't an abnormal amount of injury on the part of the yeah. Grizzlies, what what what's the ceiling for this team? You think?
1: Oh, I, I definitely think that this team is capable of of returning back to where it was last year at the very least. You know, I I, it, I find it hard to see this much talent and this well a coached team falling too deep out of the the postseason picture. Right? It's just. Something would have to go drastically wrong for, because we, we've we seen Taylor, even when he doesn't have his full complement of guys, put together a system where guys can 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 still produce and keep you afloat, right? So, you know, job ja missed a lot of time, a couple of weeks early in last season. Jaron missed half the season, if not most of the season. Um, we never saw some of the other guys, uh, uh, you know, it was just a lot of attrition. And they still made the eighth seed um, with a winning record four games above 500. I think if everyone stays relatively healthy, this team should be able to take that next incremental step. You move Jonas out of the way. I mean, he's one of the most productive big men in the league. But what happens there? That void has to be filled by a combination of guys, namely at the top, Jaron Jackson Jr. Can you get uh, uh, Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks to take their game to another level? And the third year is usually the breakout year for point guards like John Moran, you know, who have those kind of games. We saw it, you know, with De'Aaron Fox. We saw it way back in the day with Chris Paul. We saw it with John Wall. All of those guys took their games to all-star type levels in year three. Damian Lillard, another guy, uh, did the same thing on that trajectory. So that void can be filled, and I think if that void is filled collectively, uh, the Grizzlies could take their next step in growth. And I think it's fair to assume that this team can be in that six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 range uh, that they've been in um, and still grow forward.
0: You make a great point about Taylor Jenkins and what he's been able to do with his staff and with this group. I think the Grizzlies went something like 4-4 four and four when Ja was out with the ankle injury. Yeah. I talked to Andy Schiffman of Priority Sports, an agent who has dealt a lot with Zach Kleiman and with Taylor Jenkins, and I got his take on why he thinks they have been so successful. Let me get your take. Why have Zach and Taylor been so successful with this group?
1: it's because I think both of those men, young men, you know what I mean? We talk about the roster being the youngest in the league. Their front office is one of the youngest in the league as well. You know, Taylor Jenkins is still, I believe, the second youngest coach uh, in, in the NBA. Zach Kleiman is definitely one of the youngest, if not the youngest, uh, uh, vice presidents or head basketball operations guys in this league so they're growing through this as well they're developing as much as their roster is developing uh, when it comes to that so it's one of those situations where I think their ability to identify what they don't know and surround themselves with a collective unit that can build up the strengths and when you talk about Taylor bringing guys in his staff um, you know we saw uh, uh Dr. Ryakovich take over summer league and implement some of the things offensively um, that he's done throughout his time, over 25 years of coaching. Um, We've seen Zach, Climates surround himself with Tayshawn Prince, being a guy who knows the league, knows the players, you know, a Chris Macris, who's who's identifiable in every gym around the world now at this point. Rich Cho, who knows how to crunch the numbers and get you where you need to be from a salary cap and, and CBA perspective. So when you have that kind of team around you, uh, then I think it it, it it plants the seeds for success and sustainability. And this isn't a quick growth process. This is a gradual growth process. And they're taking incremental incremental steps forward. And that's why they've been successful so far.
0: One of the things that that Andy pointed out to me in his dealings with them, Mm -hmm. it's been their transparency with players and their honesty with players. And that is something that Andy felt, at least from an agent's perspective, was a big reason why they have been so successful with this young group. Now, let me okay. circle back to something that Brevin and I talk about a lot. And right now we're talking with Michael Wallace, our friend of the program today on the Grizz Weekly Grind. And that is, you know, roster construction, you have different philosophies. And, and I know of teams that have skewed very young and very old and, and nobody in the middle, no six, seven-year guys. This is a Grizzlies team, as you pointed out, is going to be one of the youngest teams in the league in their rotation. Is there room on this team for an OG You know, and we all talked about when Solomon Hill was part of this group and when Jay Crowder was part of this group. And we saw what Jay Crowder, along with Chris Paul, frankly, meant to the Phoenix Suns. Is there room for an OG on this roster to help these young kids along a little bit?
1: Well, as we just saw in the midst of our conversation right here, it won't be Marcus All because the Grizzlies just officially waived Marcus All. We knew that was coming. It was a transaction to bring him back, um, and, and I, I do believe Mark may continue his career, but it's going to be overseas. Um, so his last NBA check will have come from the Grizzlies, just like basically his first uh, opportunity basically came with the Grizzlies too. So Mark won't be the OG, although he's planted seeds with Dylan and Jaron and those guys to 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 be the professionals that they are now. But Pete, when you think about it. Dylan Brooks is an OG. I mean, he's five, six years in. Kyle Anderson is an OG. He's six, seven years in. You know, uh, Steven Adams is an OG. He's been around the block with, with, with perennial playoff teams, you know, when it, when it comes to what he's did with Oklahoma City and, and, and obviously now, you know, you know last couple of years, New Orleans. So those those level of mid-career guys are are there, you know. Um, is there room to bring in a heavy minutes rotation guy uh, that's 10, you know, 10, 11 years into his career? Um, I'm not sure if you want that to take away uh, the development track that some of your key guys are on. I really believe the Grizzlies are pretty much set at the point guard position and on the wings right now. And anything that's going to slow down the development of Jaron getting the minutes that he needs Ja getting his time. And then what you're going to do, Dylan is a heavy rotation guy right now. Kyle Anderson is a plug in wherever you need him, And you still, I haven't even mentioned guys like the Anthony Melton and some of these guys. So they're getting there. They're, they were just so young when they arrived that we look up four years later and these guys are 22, 23 years old, but they're five year NBA veterans. So they're mid career in, <laughs> in, in ways that we don't
0: even really expect sometimes. Yeah, it's a good reality check. <laughs> I think Dylan Brooks is is an OG already. Like, goodness! <laughs> somebody somebody asked me. He said, "How many years you been in Memphis?" I said, "This is this is going to be eighteen in 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 Memphis and twenty nine in the NBA." And they looked at me. and said, "You got to be kidding me!" I was like, yeah. "Yeah, I'm old. What can I tell you?" Um, <laughs> speak, speaking of old guys uh, who have been very very productive, uh, the Grizzlies announcing that both Tony Allen and Zach Randolph will have their numbers retired this season. And I would imagine with Mark being waived and probably will file retirement papers with the NBA, maybe I don't know if it'll be this year, but but Tony and, and, and Zach will see their their numbers in the rafters. Uh, it, people have different theories about why you retire numbers. And I, I've always felt it's what impact those guys have on the franchise. And I think the impact of both of those guys is incalculable. You've had the opportunity to cover them. Give us your take on uh, on both Tony and Zach and what they meant to this franchise and why their numbers should be retired. And they rightly will be,
1: you know, and and the first thing you think about is is those guys as players and, and how they had to pay their dues and go through some adversity earlier in their careers. They were sort of cast offs at some at different points of their careers. But they got to Memphis and realized, hey, this might be our last stand to really do something special in this league. Zach's numbers were always great. But in terms of his ability to fit and buy in and mature, we saw that take it to another level once he got to Memphis. I think, you know, outside of Portland, you know, when he first got there, Memphis was the place that truly embraced everything about Zach. He wasn't an outcast or an outlier in terms of fit for the community or anything like that. He fit right in in Memphis. And, you know, I've, I've been to, you know, off the field, off the court. Uh, uh, community engagement activities with Zach. And I see how when he shows up, he lights up an entire room just with his smile and people want to reach out and touch him. He could run for mayor in Memphis and, and win by a landslide without any political affiliations, <laughs> right? So, you know, that's what I've seen from him. And and, and Tony too, you know, Tony's a guy that, and, and we could talk basketball, but I went into uh, 201 Popular inside of a youth jail facility uh, for, for young offenders with Tony Allen. And he talked to, you know, 150 youth offenders in the jail system about changing their lives around because he was once in that situation, and 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 look at what he became. So when you have guys that are so willing and so natural uh, fits for where your community is, then everything else falls in line on the court. So that just tells you, you you know, they can they they pulled this community together. It didn't matter where you were from, what your background was, who you were, what color you were, what race you were from. Zach and Tony pulled you together in in FedEx form and gave you something to feel proud about. And I think that's why their numbers are going up into the Raptors beyond everything else. We know what they did on the floor and, you know, uh, in terms of helping this team get to the highest heights that they've sustained, seven straight years of playoffs, Western Conference Finals. But what they meant to the community uh, uh, will will mean that everyone who points up and looks in those Raptors one day, you're going to tell the basketball story. But you're going to also talk about how Zeebo uh, helped people keep their lights on, MLGW bills. You're going to talk about how Tony impacted youth and, and helped youth in this community turn their lives around and gave them an example. And that's why they're going to be you know, Memphis Hall of Famers for sure, and Raptors, uh, Jersey's going to be up in the Raptors.
0: Yeah, Without a doubt, that's very, very well said. I, I remember Tony had the karaoke event.
1: Yes. Yes. To, uh,
0: to make sure that that program in which he would talk with young offenders and try to make sure that yeah. they didn't end up back in jail. Yep. That was very, GIF. very effective.
1: Yep. And juvenile, juvenile intervention, faith based ministries, yep. the JIF program.
0: Yep. Yeah, I remember yep. the JIF. I remember karaoke. the acronym. I, I couldn't I couldn't remember what it stands for. And, 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 and yeah. Zach, I mean, he would do things in a community way. And you're right. He would, he would light up. He was truly invested in it. It wasn't a player just making an appearance because he was told to make an appearance. Zach really, and truly wanted to be there. And I know Tony was like a number of other Grizzlies players who would go to St. Jude unannounced in some cases that they would, they would just kind of fall in love with a family and they would go unannounced. So it was never covered. It was never in the media. It was just, Hey, look, uh, I want to, I want to see if I can visit this family. And They've, they've been tremendous, and, and the same for Mark and Mike, and ultimately, event, ultimately their numbers are going to be in the rafters as well. And Michael, you, you've covered the NBA for a while, and, and you've seen every team. And I tell people when I talk about the Grizzlies and how special this franchise has been, the level of investment and involvement by the players in the community here in Memphis, that doesn't always happen in the other 28 cities. This is, this no. is really unique.
1: It, it it doesn't it doesn't at all and, and I've been around the league. Um, you know, I've probably at one point or another covered at least a third of the league <laughs> um, uh, on a day to day basis at some stage or another. Um, you know whether it was with ESPN or with previous newspapers and radio positions that I've had before, and all teams have a community engagement department, but th- this is woven into the fabric of what the Grizzlies are. Like this is this is a unique community, and it had unfortunately it has a lot of needs. And there are not a lot of uh, people who are around who can play in a rescue role uh, to help the community the way the Grizzlies have. And that's why it's important when you come in. And that's why Pete is beautiful to see You know, the moment that Desmond Bain came in as a rookie, he wanted to give backpacks away. He wanted to align his camps to Memphis as well as his home, you know, his home state in Indiana. You've seen Ja Morant, you know, during the pandemic, hop on a Zoom with us uh, in, in the team mentor program to talk to eighth graders about when he was in the eighth grade. And how, you know, no one had any idea that he was going to turn out to be the kind of person and player that he is. You know, we've seen that Mike Conley and Vince Carter come through and basically build Grizzlies preps reputation from the ground up and give them a brand that linked uh, that that school to the Grizzlies as one of the only uh, uh, official, uh, you know, partnerships from a middle school and in, into an NBA franchise that we have in this league. So. St. Jude, you you know, you host those events year in and year out and Mark and Mike used to always love to look forward to it. And I'm sure when they retire, they're going to come back and continue to do that with you as well. So those things are just not obligations. They're not responsibilities. Those are missions and passions that these players have had uh, to help this city move forward.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it bears mentioning, too, that your passion for mentoring and, and helping out here in the Memphis community is uh, is very, very much appreciated. Michael Wallace, it is always good to visit with you. I can't wait until media day and training camp so we can actually, we can actually visit face-to-face because it, uh, it's been more than a minute, and uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this season. We're still waiting to find out if we're going to be able to travel. Hopefully, we will be able to do so and uh, get back to doing what we love to do in the best way we possibly can.
1: No question about it, Pete. I'm looking forward to it too, man. God bless you, brother. And it's good to see you. And I can't wait till we get this thing started in a couple weeks.
0: I'm right there with Michael. We can't wait for the season to get started. Hopefully this season will be a little closer to normal, that we can visit with the players and coaches in person rather than over Zoom exclusively. Uh, The NBA is going back to uh, courtside broadcast positions. We're still waiting confirmation. If uh, Brevin and Fish and I will be traveling two road games, we are hopeful that we will be able to do so. But in any event, we're we're, we're we're ready for basketball to start again and ready to see what this young and exciting Memphis Grizzlies team can do. One housekeeping note, I will uh, be taking a week off from the Grizz Weekly grind, have a big travel week lined up. Uh, my cousin and I, are going to go to the Midwest, where I am from, of course. And uh, we've got the Brewers and the Cubs at American Family Field on Sunday afternoon. Thank you to Brian Anderson for the tickets. Um, And then on Monday night, it's Monday Night Football at Lambeau Field, the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Then on Tuesday, my cousin Adam and I are going to go to Whistling Straits. We have tickets for a practice day at the Ryder Cup. So I'm going to be kind of busy Uh, taking in all that uh, sporting activity so there will be a week gap here in the Grizz Weekly Grind and episode 60 will come your way in two weeks as we will have had media day and uh, we should be able to get some player audio and uh, help preview Grizzlies training camp and the preseason so that is the way this is all going to play out this has been the Grizz Weekly Grind episode number 59 Our thanks to the Youth Athletic Foundation and to DraftKings Sportsbook for their continued support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. And a special thanks to Michael Wallace of Grind City Media for joining us as today's friend of the program. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. We'll see you next time.